If you've ever wanted to jump inside the mind of a branding and design genius and learn exactly what it takes to differentiate your business as a standout brand in a saturated, ever-changing market, all while being unique to your competitors, I've got a treat in store for you today, so get comfy, we're about to dive in. You're listening to the Freedom Found Podcast, an audio community for freedom-driven entrepreneurs wanting to build and scale an impactful online business that allows them to spend more time with their toes in the sand than their fingers on the keyboard. I'm your host, Crystal Church. I'm an email copywriter and business mentor, borderless entrepreneur, and wannabe dog mom. On this podcast, we'll talk all things online business, marketing, strategy, mindset, health, travel, and what it's really like to be a borderless entrepreneur. Freedom Found is all about equipping you with insight and actionable tips to help you build your business around your life so you can spend more time exploring new cities, hanging with your family, working on that new business project, or quite frankly, however the hell you'd like. Hello, hello. We are talking to Olivia Austin. Olivia is the founder and CEO of Current, a design studio for online entrepreneurs. And she's a serial entrepreneur, business mentor, and life enthusiast who is super passionate about helping entrepreneurs build a business and life that they're obsessed with. Olivia, welcome so much to the Freedom Found podcast. Hi, thank you. That was a great intro. I loved it. (laughs) Well, I love you and I'm so excited to have you here today. And I'm even just going to start this off by saying any of you that have visited our website that is newly launched in the last six months, Olivia is the brains behind it. So it's a little (laughs) peek at her genius. Before we dive into things, I would love if you could kick us off by telling us a little bit about your journey and For those of you listening, you probably don't know, but Olivia is a multi-passionate business owner. She's got lots of things going on and she executes everything so well. So can you tell us a little bit about how you started your journey and where you are now? Yeah, for sure. And thank you for thinking that I execute everything so well. That's of course very nice. I hope that I live up to that expectation because sometimes I'm like a chicken running around with its head cut off. So do you want me to start like from the beginning? I feel like- I think I will start from the beginning because that's truly where my journey started. And maybe some of you guys listening could really resonate with where I came from and where I am now. So I grew up in a traditional family unit, non-traditionally, meaning I moved around a bunch. I grew up in Singapore. We lived between Connecticut and Florida. By the time I was 22, I had lived in, I think, eight different states and I didn't feel like a a moving around person. Like I was never unstable. It was just the nature of my parents' jobs. And what I loved about that is that it just made me so curious. So I was exposed to different cultures and different people and languages and just different things. Like I used to talk in a British accent when I was like six, like when we'd be playing dress up. Oh my gosh, I love that. Or with my friends that were British and Dutch. And it was definitely a non-traditional upbringing. But what I mean by a traditional family unit is my parents were, you go to high school, you go to college. When you graduate college, you go to corporate and you work in corporate and you retire with a pension and 401k and live happily ever after. And I did all of those things. I checked all the boxes. I graduated from undergrad in New York and booked a one-way ticket to California about a month later 
And I got to California. I got an apartment, met everyone on Craigslist, like met my roommate on Craigslist, bought my bike on Craigslist. I'm pretty sure I found my job on Craigslist. Like I was- This has got to be like back in the day when Craigslist wasn't like super scary. (laughs) I don't know. Like that was only like six years ago. So it's still pretty- (laughs) Props. I'm impressed. Yeah. I know. So yeah, I went out there and I had this job working at an agency. And then I was like, this is it. This is what everyone's talking about. This is quote unquote, like the American dream, you know, living in California, going to happy hour with my friends. But I was working like 60, 65 hours a week, sitting in traffic for 45 minutes. I was basically hired from this agency. It kind of felt like just because I knew how to use creative cloud, like there was no creativity or anything with that. So I was definitely feeling probably like a year in, I was like, okay, there's got to be something more, but I still didn't know what entrepreneurship was. Like I wasn't exposed really growing up to people that owned their own businesses to freelancers. Like I remember I met someone in California and he was like, yeah, I took a year off and traveled. I was like, you took a year off? Like what? My parents would literally never let me home again. Like if I was like, oh, goodbye, I'm going to travel. They'd be like, no, you're not. So like, it was just different things like that. I hadn't, living out West definitely like opened my eyes to a different way of life. And mm-hmm. at the agency I was working at, I remember there was a girl that she was contracted to help me with graphic design stuff. And I accidentally saw her invoice. Like I was like friends with the accountant and I was like at her desk and I saw her invoice and I was like, what? We're doing the same thing right now. She, we had like brought her on for a project and she was making like triple my hourly and like basically made like my three month salary in like the two weeks that she was helping us. And I was like, what the heck? Like, this is crazy. So that kind of like got my wheels turning. So we have been working with freelancers and I was like, oh, maybe like I could own my own business. But I always felt like, oh, I need more experience. I need to do this more. I'm not old enough or, you know, there's all those limiting beliefs. So I was thinking like, okay, maybe I should just find a job in an industry that I like more. So I remember calling my mom And literally in tears, like it got to a point where like going to work was like insufferable. Like I just felt so claustrophobic and mind you, I had an amazing boss, like loved my boss, loved my coworkers, the way the agency was run. It was fine. It was just like, for me personally, I just kept envisioning myself doing this for 55 years or until I was 55 and was like, no, like Mm, I I can't even picture it. And another thing too, is that I looked at my manager and the people that were higher up than me, and I didn't want any of their jobs. I wasn't excited to be promoted. I wasn't excited to like for upcoming events. Like I remember there was this conference in Las Vegas and I was like, Ugh, I don't even want to go. Even though it was like a four day paid trip to Vegas where like I had so much free time. I was just like, I don't want to go. So I applied for jobs because I was thinking, you know, maybe I just need more experience. I'm not ready to go off on my own. And by then I had like started making a website, but like, I don't even know what it was. Like I wasn't going to be do logos. I don't know what the website was, but anyway, so I started making a website and then I got a new job at a different agency, did graphic design for marathons. 
And I was an athlete my whole entire life. I was a gymnast. So I was like, oh, this will be great. Like, I'm going to like this way more. Two weeks into the job, I was like, I can't. Like, I physically cannot go to work. I woke up that day and quit my job. I was living with my boyfriend and my best friend at the time. And I was just like, I'm not going to work today. And they were like, what does that mean? I was like, I'm not going to work today. I'm quitting. Like I physically can't even go into work. And I was like, can I just email them? And Alex, who was my boyfriend, now he's my husband. He was like, no, you can't just email. Like you have to go into work and tell them that you're quitting. So I went in and I was like, I can't do this. Like I thought that this was a good position. And they're like, what are you going to do? I was like, I have no idea, but I'm not working here. And that was basically the start of my entrepreneurial journey. And there was no rhyme or reason to what I was doing. Like I had no plan. I had like maybe $3,000 saved up, but I was living in California. So that's like not a lot of money at all. And I just basically bootstrapped and struggled and hustled to get clients. And I never once wasn't able to, I was very lucky that I did have my boyfriend who I lived with and my friend. So I wasn't like carrying the burden of the bills, like only be on me, but I always was able to like pay my part of the rent. So I at least made a few hundred dollars a month, but yeah, I had really no plan. So like, I'm not suggesting- You just ripped the bandaid off. Like that's what you did. You were like, there's no easing into this. (laughs) No. And that's like so true to my personality still today is like, I'm pretty much all or nothing. Like yeah. I wasn't able to work 60 hours a week and then come home at night and work on a side hustle. That's just, mm-hmm. that's just not me. I would be burnt out in like a week. I just wouldn't be able to do that. So yeah, I just really just pulled the bandaid off and I started with doing like all sorts of graphic design work for like real estate and like literally just anyone that could pay me for anything. And after about a year, I started like only doing brand and websites. I remember the first brand and website that someone paid me for, was like $1,500. And I was so excited. I couldn't, it was like split in, in between like five payments also. And I just couldn't believe that someone would pay me this much money. I was so excited. But yeah, that's kind of where it all started. Honestly, now fast forward four years and... I run a successful design agency. We work with 50 plus clients a year. Last year, 2021, I launched a business mentorship program where I help other designers scale their businesses past multi-six figures. And then this year, I am launching another business that's a product (laughs) business. It's affirmation cards for entrepreneurs. And then my husband and I are getting into Airbnb and rental properties. Okay. Stop. You're just like superwoman. (laughs) Okay. So much goodness there. I love, and I know everybody's story is different and everybody's circumstances are different. So you can't always rip off the bandaid. You know, sometimes it's easier or better for you given your circumstances to do things slowly or do the side hustle. But I love that in that moment, you just decided and you were like, no, I'm going to change every single aspect of my life right now and just go for it. Yeah. And there really was a no plan B. It was never an option not to be successful. And Mm -hmm. I think that mindset really helped me through like the hard days and, you know, months of not getting clients and putting money on my credit card. But it was like, there was no 
other option. Like I literally can't even imagine working for someone else. Like, yeah, I can't even picture it. Like it's hard for me to even picture sitting in a cube that I sat in a cubicle for two years. You know, it's so funny. I was actually having this exact conversation with Dale last night. We were playing a what if scenario and we were like, I wonder what would have happened if I never quit my job. Like, what if we were still working in a school, maybe applying to our next job? And it physically hurt to think about it. I was like, I just, there's no way. I am not good with a boss. I work well. I can take my orders and go and do them. But on the inside, I'm like, I want to do things my own way. And I think this could be improved this Mm -hmm. way, that way. And I've worked in so many environments where you are not welcome to share that. I physically, I just detest the idea of going back to it. I can't. And I think I talk about a lot the no plan B mindset as well. I think that that is so Mm -hmm. foundational to just making it. I mean, what is it? But making it in terms of having a successful or sustainable business for yourself. And if you like are absolutely, I'm not going back there, you will find a way to make it work. A hundred percent. And that's what I was just going to say. You find a way to make it work. And that's what it is to be an entrepreneur. You know, there's two things that you just said there. Like that's the best part of entrepreneurship. I think everyone who's an entrepreneur is like, I want to do it my way or how I want to, what on my own time in my own container And there's no right or wrong way to run your business because all of us are here to live our best lives. And that looks different for literally everybody. So my story and your story and everyone's story is always going to be different. It's just like, I would, (laughs) I'm not going to go on here and suggest you just quit your job and with no plan People always, I get asked all the time, like, what's your best advice? I'm like, honestly, like, I think I did it in the most riskiest way possible, but you know, your story and your journey is going to be different than everyone's, but always doing it with the intention of like remembering why you started and having no plan B and like, no, this is my lifestyle. This is what I'm doing it for. I don't care what anyone has to say about it then you will be successful. I will literally never forget. There was this girl. She was like, when I first quit my job and I was telling her what I was doing and she was like, that's a really good resume builder. And I remember thinking in my head, I'm wow. I was just remember like thinking in my head, like I am never, ever giving anyone a resume ever again. And like that has been like, such a good motivation for me. Like this was so long ago, but yeah, I just remember that. And I was like, no, I'm not. Yes. No resume. <laughs> I love that. I too am like, can't go back to it. And that's a privilege in itself is like, you know, there are a lot of things that have enabled us to be able to say that, but it's so rewarding to be able to say, you know what, I can do other things. I can impact in other ways. And I don't have to follow mm-hmm. this typical structure or the norm or whatever that mm-hmm. looks like. Gosh, I love you got so deep there. I was like getting goosebumps, just like the inspirational, you can do it in whatever way is so important because I think we forget that we get in the grind, right? Like we just get in the grind and sometimes we let our heads like do a spiral and say, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this and this and this? And I don't have a client coming in and X, Y, and Z. And you end up like down the dominoes thinking, well, maybe I should just throw in the towel and get my resume out and go and submit it somewhere. Right. But it's Mm -hmm. like, you never know when like you're on the precipice of something really great. So stick with that. 
Now I want to go back to something you mentioned before, like love that you are so multi-passionate and getting into so many different things. Can you tell us a little bit more? Like I see the connection from your wonderful agency to the mentorship and coaching. Where did the motive deck come from? Tell me more about it. And you also mentioned that this is for entrepreneurs, which I did not know before that. So yeah, tell us a little bit more about that and how this like creative process started. Yeah. So this is another thing that is just like so random. My best friends, they listen to me on podcasts and they're like, Olivia, you are just so random. And like, if anyone knew what you were really like in person, but yeah, so basically I wanted to do a passion project. This was in coat, like in the middle of COVID, I think. So I was literally doing nothing. I wanted to do a passion project just to practice my design skills. And I was like, oh, it'd be really fun to do some sort of packaging or something like that. So I was thinking of like a business that I would like, and I am pretty spiritual. I have an amazing morning practice and ritual that I like to do. And part of it involves like pulling cards. And there's a lot of like goddess cards and moon deck and universe cards and affirmation cards. And I was thinking, wow, how cool would it be if you had one that was like for entrepreneurs and it was like a little bit sassy, like not so woo, but it's like bold and exciting. And it kind of like gets you pumped up and motivated. So I started doing this and then I was showing my husband and he was like, this is super cool. Why don't we just make it a business? And I was like, hmm, I didn't even think about that. Let's look into it. So I looked up like how much it would be like what the work would be. And it like, wasn't that much. And I was like, yeah, this would be really fun. And we are kind of like going in on it together. So I'm obviously doing like pretty much everything, but he's helping with like shipping. He's really good with like numbers. So he's like helping with like the finance stuff, but yeah, it just kind of came from like starting from a passion project. And then I was like doing market research and I realized there's literally nothing like this out on the market and how I'm making it is kind of just another thing to add to a morning routine, even if you're not a super woo-woo spiritual entrepreneur. So like, if you just want some like pump up in the morning, you want an or at night, whenever you do your ritual to pull an affirmation card and something that is also a little bit different about motive is that, so you pull a card and then there's a book and in the book, it'll say, It'll have like basically a little motivational paragraph and like a journal prompt or a ritual to go about it. But it's all geared around entrepreneurship and business. I love that. I had no idea. And now I'm like, I need one of these. This is the perfect thing to then add to my day. Okay. So, so interesting. I love all of that. And of course I would be remiss if I let you come here and did not share some of your branding expertise with us. So I want to dive into how to create a standout brand. Like, let's just start this off with the basics. So to you, what is a standout brand? Like, what does that mean? And can you explain that to us in terms of like cause and effect for a business? Yeah, definitely. So a standout brand is one that shows your personality, speaks directly to your ideal clients and converts your audience into actual clients. So, you know, those posts that you see on Instagram and you're like, oh my God, that person is literally speaking to my soul right now. I love their content. I love what they're putting out. Let me check out their website. Okay. Their website's pretty cool. And then you're following them on Instagram and everything is always the same. You listen to their podcast, you know what their mission is. You feel like you could 
have happy hour with them and you guys would be besties. So then you buy their courses and then you invest in their services. And by the time the year is over, this person has invested $12,000 into your business. That is a standout brand. A brand is something that infuses your personality, your messaging, and your purpose into visuals. And we, as consumers, only see the front facing. So as many, I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen that infographic of like the iceberg. You're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. Everything below the water is messaging, tone of voice, purpose, target audience, all of that stuff. That's what a brand is. So freaking well said. I love that. And of course, I love that you gave some claps to messaging because of course, you know, that's like right up my alley. Um, So important. Right. And I think it's just like the best to get a designer and a copywriter in the same room together and just talk all of this because you literally can't do one without the other. You really you cannot. You cannot. You really need both. And they if you just try to one side it, which I'm sure you have clients that do that and don't want to get the copy work. I certainly have clients that get the copy and they don't want to do the design to like pay for that. So they DIY it. And there is such a clear difference on their page and the way that the copy hits and resonates when you don't work with somebody who is thinking about how that can really enhance or create a certain tone with somebody who's going through a page, for example. Um, Yeah. But I digress. Yeah. So, okay. In terms of like standout brand, we know we need these basics in place. We know we need to have these I would call it a feeling, right? A a brand is that experience. When all of those Mm -hmm. come together, we are giving our consumers an experience with our brand before they even work with us. So if we can really dive into a little bit more, we hear so often that our brand is so much more, quote unquote, than our logo and our color palette. And you've just given us like an (laughs) overview of like how it can go a few steps further. But like what elements do you really believe do we need like inside of those that will contribute to becoming standout? Like if I know, okay, I need some great messaging and I need some good design, like how can I go about actually making sure I'm ticking all the right boxes? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think first things first is really establishing your brand values. So your purpose, your why, why are you in business? why are you the right person to do this service? Why are you doing this? What are your brand values? What makes you the expert? Why are you even offering this service? Like, what is your why? And like, that is the foundation of literally everything. Like if you do not know why you're in business and if it's just to make money, like it's going to get sold and you're not going to want to do it. So like, for example, for us at Current, like our values are to help because we work with online coaches and wellness entrepreneurs and then also luxury hospitality. And our mission is to be a vessel for game changers and trailblazers in the wellness space to impact more people's lives. Like that is truly what I want to do. Like there are so many wellness entrepreneurs that have awful branding. They don't get their messaging out. Their stories are amazing, but it's not reaching enough people because it's not connecting. So that's what our why is. Also freedom. I wanted to build a business so that I could travel, but either way. So just really establishing your why. So that's number one. Number two is knowing who your target audience is. And I'm not just talking about like 
who they are, what they do, where they hang out. I'm talking about like, what are their struggles? Like, what is their pain points every single day that sort of has to do with your service? And I can't remember where I was reading this. It might've been a podcast, but they, oh, it was Amanda Francis's new book. And she said to write down a hundred. So have a hundred pain points of your ideal client. And then you also want to know their transformation. So what will their life look like when they work with you? Like not just their like business and all that stuff. Like how will working with you affect their life in such a positive way that they like literally cannot work with you? That's number one and number two. So establish your purpose and know your target audience. And then from there, that's when we get like really into the brand strategy and that's where like messaging and tone of voice come in. I would say that's probably number three, which is like, how do you want to speak to your audience? Like, do you want to be a bestie? Do you want to be like, uh, you know, Hey girl, that kind of talking, or do you want to be like tough love and sassy? Do you want to be more luxury and high end? Like what's your messaging and like your tone of voice and your positioning within your audience. So like how you want to be viewed, And then number four, then we get into visuals. So we kind of take all of that and bring it into visuals. And that's where like typography exploration comes in. That's where color theory, color psychology, that comes in. Like the reason why it's expensive to work with a designer is because we're not just like, oh yeah, these colors look really good. It's kind of like, and this typeface, it's all, we're truly bringing everything together to communicate what it is that those four things I said before. So, so good. And I think that that is such a good way of thinking about it, that those four things come together to communicate this big piece, right? And especially tying in the transformation is something that I think a lot of people miss out when they're trying to create a standout brand because they make it all about them, right? As a brand, this is what we do and this is who we're for but it's really never about you. You know, it's always about the end transformation. And when you miss that out, then you miss the connector piece. But when you can... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. When you bring that piece into it, then it allows your ICA to say, oh, I see myself in them. And also whether or not I work with them now or in the future, I know what they're promising me. So I'm going to keep you in the back of my head. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. And one other thing too, that I just want to mention is so establishing those foundation, the purpose, the messaging, positioning, and like tone of voice, like establishing those and target audience, establishing those first is really, really important. So if you're not clear on that, then you're not going to create a brand, like brand visuals that will last. So like we work with clients who have proof of concept that they have been in business, they have clients, they have testimonials, they know where they're going, they know the trajectory of their business. And that's who we build brands for because you're going to build a brand that lasts, you know, three, four or five years because it has that foundational strategy to it. And then if you don't have those things done, then that's when you get into like just finding Canva templates with random fonts and using them all over the place and switching up your website and changing your colors and being like, oh, I like this font today. And not having that consistency doesn't build recognition. So branding creates recognition. Ooh, recognition so good. Or branding creates consistency. Consistency builds recognition. 
recognition builds trust, trust equals sales. And if you don't have that cycle and you don't, um, like have that initial foundational work, you're unable to be consistent. So you'll never build consistency or, or build recognition or authority and that it will be a lot harder to, um, create sales and have, you know, an audience that is obsessed with you and wants to work with you. I love that. Love that. Um, and you've kind of just started to like peel back a layer here I'm really interested in, which is like, what are some of the things that we're doing wrong, right? So like maybe we're being inconsistent with our brand. What are some of the other things? Like if there's a listener right now who feels like they're not standing out yet or they're on the cusp of that, but they know that there are things that they could improve change, what could they sort of audit in their business and slash their marketing at the moment and adjust for the future? Yeah. So I would say the biggest thing is having too many services. So if you're within, you know, four years of starting a business, you really want to be known for like one or two core things. And I was really guilty. And I'm speaking from experience here, like within my first two years, I wanted to like do workshops and, you know, do templates and brand and web and like all of these different things when I wasn't truly like known for one service just yet. So I would say, and which is, you know, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to say that now because I have like, you know, a million businesses, but um, really just getting clear and like being known for one thing and one like high end service. So I definitely see like the biggest, the biggest mistake Big I see is having like too many offers and clients being like, well, like, what is it that you offer? So if you're getting DMs or people are filling out your contact form and they're like, oh, I'm interested in this, or do you do this? Or can you help me with this? And you're like, no, or yeah, obviously then you're not clearly selling or not clearly stating what it is that you do. Yes. I think this is so overlooked such a good point. Um, and it can also just create analysis paralysis as well. If you have somebody coming to you and you have 50 options for them, they're not going to know what to choose. And then they'll be unsure, click off the page and forget to come back to you. I think yeah, you should always be turning away more people than you're taking on and not necessarily in the beginning, but later on, as you grow your reach, you'll get inquiries for all sorts of things. Like, all sorts mm-hmm. of things under the sun. Oh, can you do this? Can you do that? And it's really important to stick to your guns and say, no, this is what we specialize in. Of course, you could take the farm project here and there. That's a little bit out of scope, but it's really good to stick yeah. to what you're known for and be okay with turning other people away, referring them to, you know, colleagues in the industry, et cetera. Definitely. And another thing too is, you know, if you're getting a lot of pe- people that, um, you know, aren't aligned with your ideal client or your services aren't clear, or you're not getting a lot of inquiries. It's probably because your website sucks. Like your website should be, should work as your best salesperson. Like by the time we get on the phone with people, like they're 80% want to work with us already. And I'm sure you find this also because your brand is established. You have a nice website. Like it's clear what it is that you do, who you serve, how you can help them. So by the time you get on a discovery call, it's kind of like, I just have a few questions before I give you $10,000. Um, yes, which is how that it should work. And, you know, 
from like, this has always been true. And I've always said that, but now with COVID and the pandemic and everything with so many people being online, your website and your online presence is more important now than it ever, ever, ever has been. Like, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but even as like going to a restaurant, I check Instagram, I check their website. I want to see what the vibe is like. Like, should I go here? Um, and that's the same with services. Like your customers are shopping around. Like you are not the only person that they are looking at. Um, so they're going to have your website open with three other tabs of three other people in your industry. And they're comparing notes before um, they decide to book with you. So, so true. You should just like be a little fire under your butt and get things going. Yeah. Um. Okay, cool. So we've talked about like what if things aren't working, but like let's flip this around for a second. And what if things are working? Like what are the signs that leaders should look out for that might indicate even if things are going well in their business that they should adjust, relook at their branding again, et cetera, and realign their sales to move further forward? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I guess I would say if anything doesn't feel in alignment, you know, you're running your business and I guess this doesn't really have much to do with branding or I guess it does, but when you have a business, like you said, you know, things can get stagnant and you can get in the grind. Like I was in the grind for the last four months of last year and January hit. And I was like, literally didn't want to do anything. Didn't want to work. I went to Tulum for like two weeks. Like I just was so not in alignment with where the brand and like where the brand and business were because I was so overwhelmed and overworked. So I guess that would be more like, like business wise, I guess like restructuring. Um, but that could also come from your brand, right? Like if you are, if you feel like, okay, this is a good example actually. So I guess if you're, you know, you're booking clients and you're, you know, have consistent income and you're like really wanting to maybe up-level your clientele. So rather than working with emerging entrepreneurs, you're wanting to work with more established entrepreneurs. And that's kind of the, the evolution of what we've been doing over the last probably year and a half is going from new emerging entrepreneurs, kind of like a smaller investment to established people in the marketplace, maybe been in business five to 10 years. And the reason why we went, we are like made that transfer was because it was, I noticed that the, I wanted to work with higher end clientele because they knew what they were doing and they were doing really powerful, impactful things. So over the next like year and a half, we really started to like shift our messaging, shift our branding a little bit, um, elevated our branding, elevated our client experience again to start to cater to that clientele. So I guess if you're thinking like, okay, I want to work with a higher end, or even if you're working with high-end entrepreneurs and you're like, actually, I want to sell $50 courses to new entrepreneurs because I know what it's like when you're first starting out, you're going to have to like make that shift. Um, and luckily once you build that brand and you have consistent income, you have more of that flexibility to kind of make that shift because you're still, it's more of like an internal shift. And I think one thing that happens to us a lot with as business owners, which is what you mentioned before, analysis paralysis, 
nobody notices your business as much as you. So like I have a coaching client right now and she's changing her business name and she's like literally freaking out. And I was like, listen, I love you and I care about your business. And there are going to be people and clients who really, really care, but a majority of your audience is not even going to notice. Like they're, they're not even going to notice. So making those internal shifts, if you're thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm really wanting to like elevate my client experience. I want to elevate the clientele that I'm working with, just slowly start to make those internal shifts and it will, you know, go outwardly, outwardly with your brand. If that makes sense. Yeah. And that's a perfect example too, because we are always so much more worried about what other people are thinking or the, what I like to say is the silent thoughts of other people, what's going through their head about us, you know, um, when most of the time people are just in their own world. Right. And you know what? People really do care. Like I'm not saying that people don't care, but another thing that I think is really important about branding in general is that if you have a solid brand, you attract the right people and repel the wrong people. So you don't have to waste your time, you know, on discovery calls with people that don't align or you don't feel like, oh, I have to take this project because I'm not making any money. It's like if you have a solid brand foundation, again, going back to target audience, your purpose, your values, and then that's relayed outward through your branding, um, everything from copy to your website, to your photos, all of that stuff, um, that will tell the right person like, okay, this is my person. Like, I love her. I can't wait to work with her. And then it will also repel the wrong people. Like, oh, I don't like her vibe. I don't want to work with her. So then they just won't. And you don't even have to get on the phone with them. So, so true. And honestly, so nice when that starts happening. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. I want to ask you my absolute favorite question now. We ask this to all of the guests that come on Freedom Found Podcast. So we all have a dream of living out our own version of freedom, which I know is so important to you as well, Olivia. So whatever freedom means to us, really. And so many of us start our businesses because we want to bring that into our day-to-day reality. I would love to know what advice do you have for entrepreneurs listening that are on a mission to incorporate more freedom into their life? You just have to do it. Um, you can't be like, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it the next day. Yeah. Next month will be a good thing. It's like, you just have to implement things daily to allow that to happen for you. So like some things that I love to work, like I truly, truly love my job. I will work all the time. Like it's cold here right now. So I just work because I don't go outside and, or like I'll go outside, but only for like 30 minutes to an hour. Um, so most of the time I just work because I love what I do. So it's easy for me to kind of like get caught up, um, just like in all of that, but you just have to implement those boundaries for yourself in order to live that out. So like first things first is like journal, like what does freedom look like for you? Like, what are you going to do with your free time? Like what, or are you going to do nothing or like do you want to work four hours a day and only four days a week? Like, what does that truly look like for you? And then implement things to make that happen. So like for me, we do, um, four day work weeks at the studio. So we work Monday through Thursday, and then we're really trying to implement this year. Um, so like my whole team Monday through Thursday, we don't do any client work on Friday. And then we're really trying to implement just like 32 hour 
uh, work week. So within those four days, we're only working 32 hours. Um, my goal is to work only four to five hours a day. So whatever. So just, you know, really establish what that ideal schedule looks like for you and then make those boundaries. Like I like to go to Pilates and I like to do Bikram yoga. I just put them in my calendar. Like this is when I'm going. I even put the drive time in there so that I can't be like, Oh, I have a call scheduled or whatever. Um, that's another thing like scheduling client calls. Like I only do client, I only do calls on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I don't do any calls ever Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. Um, so it's really just like getting really clear on what it is that it looks like for you. And then yeah, making it happen. I love that. It's all about the execution. So, so true. And I don't know if I've met another entrepreneur in the space yet that is doing the four day work weeks because we are as well. And I just Ooh, think nice. it's it's not as complicated as so many people think that it is. It's like kind of like ripping off the bandaid. It was something that was on my goal list for so long. And then somebody asked me like, well, at what point can you do that? Like, what's the milestone? What's the marker? And I didn't really have an answer. I was like, well, when we've got to a point where we don't have too much work, like, what is that? So then I was like, okay, the very next week, I was like, we're going to put a date on the calendar to start four-day work weeks. And it's been great ever since. It's like, you just have to do it and execute. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And honestly, I read this book. Um, it's called Thursday is the New Friday. Oh, yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't read it, but I've okay, heard of it. It's super good. I'm reading it right now. And- and he basically, I think the guy's name is Joe Sanok, S-A-N-O-K. That's definitely his last name. I don't know what his first name is, but the book talks about like the evolution of the five-day five day work week and how it's just like, we kind of just made it up. Like Henry Ford was like, we're, oh, we just do the five-day work week. So like, there's like no rhyme or reason to like why we do it. And where the four day week work week, like I came from, was like, you are so much more productive when you're in your genius zone. So like the way that we hire at the agency is like, no one does multiple different things. Like we have our designers who do design. We have our project manager who does project management. We have, you know, our marketing person who does marketing. So like they are fully in their genius zones all the time. So like, if we can't, if everyone can't get their work done within 40 hours a week, like that is crazy. Like there's no reason why that needs to happen of being like truly in your genius zone. Cause like, if you think about it, you're working in an office, like you go get coffee, you're like chit chatting with your coworker and then you get distracted and then you're on Facebook. But like, if you own a business or you work for a small business, like your tasks and your responsibilities hold so much more weight and you aren't as distracted. So like we get so much work done. Like my agency pumps out so much freaking work. Like it's insane. And there's no reason why they like, why we have to work five days. Like I don't want to work on Fridays. My clients don't really want to work on Fridays. So we're not working on Fridays. Right. It makes you so much more effective. Okay. This is like a whole nother podcast interview we need to have. I feel like we could just talk for ages about this. <laughs> yeah. And I want to pick your brain about all the things. Yeah. Um, okay. You've given us so many good things to think about. I've absolutely loved talking to you about all things like multifaceted businesses, branding, standing out. Now, let us know how can we work with you? How can we connect with you? All the things. Okay. So 
my agency, Current Design Studio, you can connect with us, currentdesignstudio.com and on Instagram at current.designstudio. Follow us for all things branding, websites, all the fun stuff. Um, And then you can also go to my personal Instagram and website, which is byoliviaaustin.com, also on Instagram, byoliviaaustin. And then if you go there, you'll find information about coaching, education, courses, templates, but then you'll also see, um, you'll be able to get to motive, but if you want to go to motive, it's motivedeck.com or Instagram at motive. So everything's pretty much (laughs) there. Yeah. And they're all pretty much interconnected. So like, if you just go to current, you'll see everything, you'll be able to get to everything. Um, but yeah. Okay. So perfect. We're all going to go and check that out. Um, thank you so, so much. Please go and connect with Olivia. If you don't follow her already, she is just a wonderful person to know and to follow and to get inspiration from. So thank you so much for sharing all of your insights with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. And seriously, anyone listening, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you just want to say hi, feel free to DM me. I'm always in there. I love talking and helping other entrepreneurs. So feel free to reach out. Thank you again so, so much. And for those of you listening, if you are wanting some support with being able to DIY your design in a way that looks really, really great, I believe Olivia's got something special for us. Yes. So if you go to our template shop, so we have show it website templates that are plug and play. They're designed to be super, super easy. It also comes with a video library walking you through how to edit it. So if you go there, you find a website template that you like, you can use code crystal 50 and that will give you $50 off of your template. Awesome. Thank you so much and catch you all next time.